0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Seek Go Create podcast. I just want to thank all of you for listening to the podcast. Plus, I want to continue thanking those that are subscribing, rating, and sharing. That means so much to us. We appreciate you and we want to provide you great content, interviews, and value. This week's guest is going to help us do that. We've got a big topic, a really, really big topic. Chris Cree and I actually met while we were both attending Bible school in Colorado. And as we're recording this, I'm in a snowstorm in Colorado Springs, and he's in Scotland. And let me just give you a quick bio, and then we're going to jump right into uh, some fun stuff. Chris was a merchant marine officer with the Navy for 12 years. You could bet I'm going to ask a little bit about that. Then in 2007, Chris turned his blogging hobby into a new career developing websites, both in business as a freelancer and as an employee for a rapidly growing firm. The job change provided flexibility for him to leave that and then go to uh, Bible college with his wife and that's where we met and he had a, uh, a number of years there and now he's in ministry. They live in Scotland. They operate a Bible school there. I guess he considers himself in missions and ministry and still in business. But the reason I really, Chris got my attention a few weeks back on social media, he posted A recent book that he wrote called The Sovereignty of God, Is God Really in Control? And we're going to dive into that. Before we do, Chris, welcome to the Seek, Go Create podcast.
1: Hey, Tim, I'm excited to be here. You know, you can tell from my thick Scottish accent, I'm not really from Scotland, even though I live here now.
0: So interesting thing. I had a call yesterday with a gentleman that was living in Pensacola, Pensacola, Florida, from Ireland. And he actually okay. didn't have a Scottish accent, but it's Irish. And when you're from the States, they sound similar. So, <laughs> so he very different anyway. And, you know, we won't, we won't say that God makes us go places, but it's interesting how he opens up doors and we end up in different parts of the world and things like he provides that.
1: provides opportunities and invites us to join him in his work.
0: Yeah. So listen, before, first of all, before we dive into this, I do want to say there's probably a lot of people that are clicking on listening to this that might be just curious and going, hmm, sovereignty of God, what an interesting topic. They may not even have relationship with God or anything like that. I just want to encourage you to kind of hang tight because this is not going to be a overly religious or, you know, we're going to talk kind of in a grand scale here about uh, you know, creator and God and, and have a lot of fun with it. I think, don't you agree, Chris?
1: Oh, I can have as much fun as you're willing to, or we can get down in the weeds. I can do it either way. <laughs> all <laughs> right.
0: So just hang tight. I mean, listen, we're not, uh, we're not going to go all church on you though. Okay. This is, uh, this is going to be some cool stuff that I believe that will relate to every facet of life, regardless of your beliefs and background. So, um, listen, Chris, before we get further, I, I usually read people's bios and they sound awesome listen bios no one ever says you know anything poor in their bios but i always like to ask people just what do you really do in your words what do you do And people say what do you do tell us
1: right now what i do because i mean i've done a whole bunch of different things but but right now let's do
0: right now i'm going to ask you about the navy and stuff in a second but right now (laughs) what do you do
1: Right now, we, Lisa and I um, are in Scotland. We're missionaries. Um, we head up a Bible college, and the way we look at it is that we um, guide people into the fullness of everything that the kingdom of God has for them um, and, and while we're attempting to disciple a nation. You know? So we're just, we're just great commission missionaries, and, and it just cracks me up because I went to Bible, sco- Bible college with no intention of being a missionary. The, you know the, that was the last thing on my mind. So it's funny how when you seek God, He gives you the desires of your heart, and He starts changing your direction and and moving and 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 things. And and we're just having a blast. You know, we we we've been here three years now, and um, driving on the other side of the road. I hesitate to call it the wrong side because they claim it's the right side, even though it's the left side. Um, you know, and we're just learning the different culture. So it's 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 been an adventure all the way across the board.
0: Yeah, that, that's good. So, so you do consider yourself missionaries. You are in Scotland. I'm going to ask more about that later. And uh, we're going to dive into the book. And I've got all types of questions. Some of them I've shared with you to prep you. Others, we're going to, just going to see how it flows. Um,
1: and I'm a big fan of preparation. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know what, I also want to acknowledge, you know, this is a topic in some circles. It's pretty controversial and there are a lot of people that could really get uh but you know what here's what i know you and i've had brief conversations before i don't think either one of us are ones that will shy away from that so i think that's why we're going to have fun with this and uh and not present ourselves necessarily well i'll ask you this are you the expert on this topic heck
1: no i've i've read the bible i've i've Um, Had some personal experience. I've looked at the truth. I've studied at length. Um, But am I the definitive expert? No, I could be wrong. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm right because of various factors. But I'm open to the possibility that I might have it all wrong. I mean, I am not God. I'm just Chris. So I do the best I can with the tools I have available. I study out the scripture Um, because that's just I'm passionate for the truth. And and I think as you, you go into my background, you'll see where that comes from. But um, I'm willing to adjust when I when I when I discover that I'm wrong, I'm willing to change. But until then, I'm pretty sure I'm right.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? I we we'll we'll live with that and have fun with that. First thing I want to do that I want to I want to back up a little bit. You said you were a merchant marine in the navy. Tell us a little bit more about. Let's let's get some context for how you've maybe come to study this topic at a deeper level and kind of who you are i think context is important so tell us some background well if if you if you look all the way back i mean first of all merchant marine navy they're two
1: separate things i happen to have done both um one is civilian the other one's military um but my background growing up my dad and i were a lot alike um and we were both very willful, headstrong, didn't get along. And, and my primary goal growing up was to move out of the house. I just wanted to get away from that environment. Um, and so I thought the easiest way out of the house was to go into the military. Um, I did, you know, we, we had to take a standardized test when I was a kid and they, they said, you could do whatever you want. So I said, OK, what pays the most money? Did my research, Navy nuke power. That was what it was. I actually enlisted and, and was going to go into the Navy as an enlisted Navy nuke power guy and i was 17 needed a waiver dad wouldn't sign the waiver my dad was smart he was no fool he knew that but basically what he said was i want you to apply to colleges you don't have to go i just want you to apply but because he was smart he knew that i would apply i'd get accepted i'd get excited and then i'd go and he figured that would be a better option for me than just going straight in the military now there's anything wrong with that he just thought that was a better choice for me so One of the guys he worked with was a graduate of a a school, uh, State University of New York Maritime College, SUNY Maritime College. And dad was like, well, you were looking at the Navy. This is nautical, merchant marine. Why don't we check it out? So we went down there. I was like, well, that's cool. Get a business degree or whatever, an engineering degree and a merchant license. I was like, that's kind of cool. So basically what they do is they took a a five years worth of education, jammed it into four years. So it was a military school. I got a business degree oriented towards the maritime industry and a third mate's license to drive ocean-going cargo ships. Um, I I was a walk-in to the Navy's ROTC program. I'd never heard of reserve officer training program, but when I walked in, I ended up picking up a three and a half year scholarship. And before I was commissioned, they, they, you know, you got to choose what kinds of where you want to go in the Navy. And they offered me this, this, um, naval flight officer it wasn't a pilot it was a navigator um because i wear glasses i wear contacts so um that i was like wait a second i'm blind but you'll let me tell the pilot where to go and they're like yeah you're correctable to 2020 that's cool i said all right uh, i'm in because that looked like a whole lot more fun than driving ships yeah. so i got commissioned went to flight school and flew off aircraft carriers and jets for six years um when i got out i got back in the maritime industry um and work in shoreside so i've never actually sailed on my merchant license um, and it's long since expired so that that's a perishable skill which i don't have anymore but i worked shoreside in cargo operations in various capacities for um i don't know 10 15 years so um that's how that all transpired background wise Um, how we ended up getting over to bible college you know let me back up and just kind of share how I you know had any interest in religion I didn't grow up religious I didn't you know I, I went to church but it was a social thing yeah What part um, of the world did you grow up in Chris,
0: Chris what part of the world did you grow I, up? In?
1: I grew up in upstate New York very rural upstate New York okay and then I went to college in the Bronx so I've seen really small town I mean our, our town had a, a traffic light that blinked red in one direction yellow in the other and that was it I mean it, it, you almost didn't have to slow down to get through our town. So really small town, upstate New York. And then I went to college in the Bronx, you know, Mm -hmm. New York City. So so I've seen both extremes. So I'm more of a small town guy at heart. Um, But the Navy moved me to Florida. And then I was working in in cargo operations, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina. um, When, well, I'll back up into that. But I I was always able to do whatever I put my mind to. If I decided to do something, it pretty much happened. That was kind of the story of my life. Even though I you know I wasn't a Christian or anything like that, I had no real interest in religion. Um, but um, in the Navy, I became a drunk. Really, is the short version. Um, mm. and, and they invited me to leave. You know, basically, I was I, I just wanted to quit drinking, and I was uh, I was I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it on my own. Um, I went into the Navy's rehab program. I'm like, hey, I just need to stop. So that's a curricular as an officer anyway. Yeah. But it didn't take for me. Um, they used the, the AA model, which works for a ton of people. I'm not knocking AA, but it just didn't help me. Um, and I think the big issue was they said you needed a higher power, which I totally understood because I tried to do it on my own. I couldn't. I'd failed. First thing in my life that I absolutely couldn't do on my own. Um, and I knew I needed some outside help. Where they lost me was, they said, pick one. I'm like, what do you mean, pick one? They're like, well, I mean, it can be, you know, a chair, a potted plant, a coin, whatever. It just has to be outside yourself and that'll keep you from drinking. I'm like, that makes no sense. You know, how is a coin gonna keep me from drinking? And because it made no sense to me, it didn't work. And I, then I was what they call a rehab failure. And that meant I couldn't fly. Now, my I had a really good CO, uh, my commanding officer said, you know what, Chris, um, you're a good officer. You just have this one issue. He said you can't fly anymore. Um, I can transfer you into another billet, you know, non-flying billet, or you've 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 served your time for your scholarship. You could get out if you want to. And I'm like, flying was the only part of the Navy I liked, so I'm out of here. So I got out of the Navy. Two weeks later, somebody introduced me to Jesus, and. That was a higher power I could believe in. It made sense when he talked me through it, showed me the the, the verses in the Bible, explained the truth to me, because really, at the end of the day, I was looking for truth. Right. You know, I had some experience with some religious people that, that just didn't click with me. Um, they were more, you've got to do it because you know, you're going to get abused or, you know, that bad things will happen if you don't shape up. And I'm like, well, bad things are happening anyway. So what's the deal there?
0: Let me pause you one second. I hate to, I hate to, right when we get to meeting Jesus, say, wait, let's back up because that's a great part of the story. But I, I know, and you know this too, there, there are a lot of people that deal with some form of an addiction type issue. Sure. I mean, and it it could be various things. I mean, listen, I, I, my addiction was not necessarily substance it was money and really it was the pursuit of money and business and things like that that's okay. that's what drove me and things like that and you know what people don't look down on that as much in fact in many ways it's celebrated but i had a very focused and addictive personality towards that it sounds like you, you know you just kind of threw it out flippantly at so i don't want to i don't want to move over it quickly especially if someone's listening in mm-hmm. and, might be dealing with things like that. But you you mentioned that you were a drunk, you were in the Navy, you obviously had some purpose, you had some things you were working towards. Prior to your meeting Jesus and having, probably finding something that higher power that they talk about in, in AA and other things, what was the personality that you had? You mentioned you were headstrong and you wanted to get out of your dad's house and other things like that. but. What was the personality that led you to pursue something like drinking?
1: Well, the, the drinking for me was, was, was a response to loneliness and internal pain. Um, and it was a way to mask that. Um, and I could feel more. I, I, I grew up an only child. I was an introvert. So hanging out in social situations was a challenge for me. I tell people that now you're an introvert because I, I, I'm talking to people all the time. It's what I do. But I, I tell them it's a prosthesis. I've learned it. I'm really naturally an introvert. Yeah. Um, but at, at the time, I didn't know how to cope with some of the pressures of life. And it's not like I, we had any bad things going on. It just I, I started drinking. And and, it, and and Lisa will tell you to this day, I'm kind of a guzzler. Um, if I drink water, it's like glug glug. If I drink coffee, it goes down. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it, I understand why I became a drunk because alcohol in front of me, I just pitch it down and, and, and I, I drank fast. I just always have done that. Sure. Um, so I think it was a combination of things. The challenge was I couldn't stop. Hmm. Um, I just kept getting drawn back to it and I didn't understand why. Right. And, and I just didn't have control. And that was a scary thing for me um, because I was used to controlling everything around me. I mean, that was, I mean, when you're, when you're flying off aircraft carriers, if you're not in control and, and making good decisions, people die. And and so there's a lot of pressure there for a young person of, of 21, 22, whatever. Um, but that was no big deal, but not being able to control the drinking was, right. you understand?
0: Sure, Absolutely. No, that's, that's that's very good. And I, I think that control, we're going to come back to that later as we talk about the sovereignty of God, because I think it's an important personality item that a lot of people deal with is control and allowing something else to be in control, either another person or, a, you know, God or things like that. So we're going to come back to that before we move beyond this. this, I guess, great time when all of a sudden you meet Jesus, which is very significant. I believe the beliefs we have and many people listening, that would be the most significant thing in your life. But learning points, good and bad from your time with, you know, the the Navy and that time of your life leading up to that, some things you took away from that, that you still apply or I do this always, I don't oh, yeah. do this. Well, I don't know
1: about absolutes like that but i learned a lot of things i learned that i was capable of doing more than i thought i could um i learned how to walk into a situation not having a clue how to do it and figure it out and move forward Um, i learned a lot a lot about leading people i was around some of the most intelligent sharpest hardest working people i've ever worked with in in the u.s navy um i mean some of the enlisted guys had more degrees than you can shake a stick at. I mean, just really educated, really smart people, um, top quality people. I mean, it was an organization like anything else. You had some people that were, you know, of dubious leadership qualities, but I learned so much about leading people and, and honor and, and a lot of really good things in the military. Um, the biggest was that I was capable of far more um, than I ever dreamed possible because, and I didn't understand why now, now I have a, a, play, a hook to hang that on, but I just knew I could do stuff. I knew I wasn't intimidated walking into the unknown, um, and figuring it out on the fly yeah. because sometimes you just had to do that in the military.
0: Sure. So, so you were shortly out of the military when you became a follower of Christ and, and, mm-hmm. and then that made sense to you. So what was that? What was that time yeah. frame?
1: Well, it was a, it was a kind of a twofold thing. It, two weeks after I, I actually separated from, you know, got out of the Navy two weeks later, um, I had this encounter with Jesus and, and I was, you know, miraculously, I mean, I had no desire to drink, which is gone. This thing that I couldn't make happen, um, happened for me completely unexpectedly. You know, i I, I was just like, I want the truth. That's really what I'm after. Um, and, and, what i didn't realize at the time is that the truth is a person you know jesus says i am the truth i'm the way the truth and the life and
0: so i was because i wanted the truth really what i wanted was jesus i just didn't know it right so all right there was a statement you made there that i'm going to ask you to maybe say just a little bit more about sure. <clears throat> because i've actually recently run across people that still struggle with this they Mm -hmm. have some form of addiction, will use drinking or drugs, something that society perceives as negative. Again, I I believe a lot of people deal with certain things. Some of them are just, quote unquote, better than others in the eyes of people. So I'm tracking with you, you know what I'm saying? So you said that when you met that person of Jesus, you had an encounter, you literally had no desire, no addictive nature, anything anymore. Is there anything else that you can say to people that may not quite understand that just a little bit more in depth?
1: Uh, I, and it's going to sound cuckoo and weird, I think, or maybe, I don't know. But what I, I basically got to the point where I said, God, I can't handle this. I can't deal with it. If you don't deal with it for me, I'm going down the tubes and I let go of it. I let go of that control and, um, knew that I was responsible for all the mess that I'd created in my life and knew that there were probably consequences, but I just let go of the control and said, if you don't deal with this, I'll be a drunk the rest of my life. There's nothing I can do about it. Right. And in that moment, the desire left, you know, and I, I was just like, I don't want to drink anymore. Now, keep in mind, I was also stupid. Um, Cause two weeks after that, I moved out of state, um, took a job, got moved out of state <clears throat> and moved into an apartment right across the street from a liquor store. You know, so I'm in a place where I didn't know anybody, didn't, you know, have any social net to, to help support me. And that's why we're called to be part of a church body. You know, we're, you know, believers aren't meant to be alone and we're, we're supposed to be part of a church. If you, if you go into the Bible, it tells you that I didn't do that. I had. Some, I had my Bible, I had some Christian CDs and I thought I was good to go right across the street from the liquor store. Well, that's just dumb. Um, I ended up drinking again because I just didn't know what else to do. I had no, I, I, and what I found out was when you're, when you're in that state, you actually learn how to do certain things intoxicated and you have to relearn how to do them sober. Mm. Um, so I, I was in that phase, but I didn't have the support network. So Eventually, I got pulled over by the police and, you know, spend the night in jail, and, and it was a whole thing. But that night in jail, I realized that following Jesus for me was, was more than just accepting him as my Lord and Savior. I needed to, well, it was Lord and Savior. I had accepted him as my Savior, but Lord means that he gets to tell me what to do in some respects. And part of that was I needed to get involved in a church body. I needed to connect with other believers. I, really, what I needed to be was discipled. I needed to be taught how to be a believer. Um, It doesn't just happen automatically. Um, There's a process that Jesus laid out for us in the scriptures, and he told us to go and make disciples. So we have to teach each other. And I didn't know that. And therefore, I went back to what I knew, you know, it's kind of like a dog going back to his vomit. I just didn't know. Right. So, you know, it wasn't like the desire wasn't there. The need wasn't there. But the habit was still there. And so I did what I always did and got myself
0: in more trouble. Yeah. The interesting thing there, there's, there's a little bit of a theme here that I think we're going to come back to earlier. You talked about you being not in control. And then the thing that you just mentioned was you really surrendered and gave up control. I think, I I think control, it's a big word that I use a great deal. It helps me learn a lot about myself. And I think, It's one of the things you keep bringing up over and over again that as we get more into the book on sovereignty, I think it's going to be even more critical there. So that's all. And, you know what, it takes giving up control to surrender to other people also and say, you know what, I'd love for you to teach and train me. Yeah, you have to be, We need. you know, from my perspective, I needed to have a teachable spirit. And
1: I was... A very proud person. I was actually flat out rebellious. I mean, that's why I wanted to get out of the house with my dad. I, frankly, I was rebellious, and I needed to have that, you know, moved off from me. I needed to let go of that Mm -hmm. that rebellious, proud spirit, so that um, I would change. Because, frankly, what I was doing wasn't working, and I needed to change. And, And the Bible talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, we need to change the way we think. And that starts a process which changes our lives. Mm. And it was that night in jail where I finally said, that was when I finally said, God, I did this to myself. I know you didn't do this to me. I will do whatever I need to do. I will stay here as long as I need to stay to learn whatever it is I need to learn. When you're ready, you come get me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, and the interesting thing was, it was a couple, it was, it was like a, a week or so to payday, I had drinking, drank the last of my money at the time. I didn't have any credit cards. I mean, this was a long time ago. I didn't have a mobile phone. Um, so I had no money. I couldn't even bail myself out and I figured I was going to be there a while. And, um, but I know it was interesting cause my boss, I, I, you know, at three o'clock in the morning, I'm in a, I'm in a new town. I've been there less than a year. I don't know anybody except the people I see at bars and the people I work with three o'clock in the morning. I'm just staring at the phone. I got no one to call, which was kind of, you know, humbling. Um, So they let me make a call again at, I don't know, eight or nine o'clock. And I called my boss and said, I'm not coming in today. told him why, where I was. He said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I'll think of something. I had no plan. But he came down, you know, an hour or two later and bailed me out. Completely out of character for him. You know, it's not like he was a a Christian or anything like that. And I'm thinking, I'm wondering if he's like, why did I do that? But I know why he did that. God tapped him on the shoulder and said, go get Chris. He's ready. Because what I needed to learn was that submission process as well as, the, the savior process.
0: Right. Yeah, that's good. So, well, we could, we could kind of go down that road. I think we're going to come back to the control cause we're going to, we're going to kind of address <laughs> the question of is God in control if we're not is God and all that. But before we do, you, you wrote another book that it, it could almost be a entire podcast episode in itself. The book was called rejecting mammon. And I, I, listen I was actually listening to on a on an app I've got this morning the um the uh, Sermon on the Mount uh, and uh, and of course in Matthew six you know there is the scripture of of you know you can't serve both God and Mammon so but it's interesting in this version and I have to go back and see what version I was listening to they use the term money but for those that may not know we've got probably some non you know church type people listening in. What is mammon, that word that's kind of odd, and why should we reject it? And I've got a couple other questions related to that before we get into the, your latest book. Well, you're right. I mean, That's
1: where we get it from is, is the words of Jesus himself. Um, Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. And when he uses mammon, he's actually using um, an Aramaic word that refers to an ancient, childy god. You know, so he's, he's, he's using this word that refers to this old deity, um, mammon. But yet when Jesus talks about money, I mean, he talks about money an awful lot. If you read through the Gospels, a lot of his parables are dealing with money, the parable of the talents and the, the minas and all of this other stuff. There's a lot of stuff he talks about money. Every one of those, he's using different Greek words to specifically talk about money in different ways. But yet when he says you can't serve God and mammon, instead of using a Greek word, he pulls in an Aramaic word that refers to this, this God of, of wealth and power. So um, I, I think that the translations that say you can't serve God and money are, are unfortunate because I think that makes it less clear. Um, really, when you study it out, there's, there's two economic systems operating in the world simultaneously. You know, and, and keep in mind, Jesus said that we're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God, right? And, and then all the rest of the stuff in our life is going to line up. Well, he said, God, Jesus said, you can't serve God and mammon. There's a mammon system, which is the one we're all familiar with. You know, it deals with money. It's buying and selling. Um, it's, it's a scarcity-driven thing, um, which in, in the mammon system, because it's it's scarcity-driven... If, if you get something that's that much less resources, it's available for me to have, you know, so that's the system that we're used to working with. Mammon uses money for fear, manipulation, and control to dominate others. Um, and, and that's just what we're used to. It's a fear-driven system. Contrast that. There's another economic system that, that God put in place for us that is called the kingdom of God. And, and the kingdom of God is much bigger than an economic system, but it contains an economic system. And the kingdom of God is is run on completely different rules. Instead of a scarcity thing, it's it's flowing in God's abundance. Um in, in the kingdom of God, money is used to influence people, you know, to to save souls, to, to rescue people, and to expand the influence of the kingdom of God. So it's an entirely different system. Because it's an abundance-based system. I mean, God has the resources. I mean, he's the maker of the whole world. It's all his. He's got the cattle on a thousand hills. It doesn't matter how much you get that in no way limits my ability to receive from God. So it's a totally different system. And it's not buying and selling based it's giving and receiving based. So that removes all of the manipulation and control because if you know, if you receive something, it no way limits how much I can receive. I don't have to be envious or greedy because I'm, that, that doesn't impact my relationship with God and what I can receive. So it's a sure. two tiered system. And people are used to working with the mammon system, even believers. They don't even realize that there's a whole nother way of operating economically. And we, we have access to tap into that
0: as followers of Jesus. Yeah. that. All right. So that's so good. I had three or four things just firing in my brain <laughs> as you were doing that. And I was making notes on this, so I'm gonna I want to try to keep this focused. The the first thing that I wanted to ask, and I'm hopeful that this is not a little bit of a curveball to you, but I've had conversations on some recent podcasts with some people that have ministry backgrounds and also business backgrounds. And we've had this conversation about socialism, capitalism, a lot of conversations we hear in the world system. I I call it the Babylonian system, the system of mammon. Yeah, yeah, it is. Not the kingdom of God. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's not the kingdom of God. So, so can I, I'm going to kind of throw that at you. Where do the, and listen, a lot of Christian people will rant and rave about capitalism is God and socialism is the devil. And I'm exaggerating slightly, but you know what I'm saying? Do you have any comments on that? See, I'm a believer that that many of those systems can function if they're brought into that kingdom mindset. And I also believe that the greatest of those systems in the world could could deteriorate and become horrible. Capitalism, for example, if if it's more of a take system. Well, the, the challenge is, is that
1: all of those systems are worldly systems. Okay. At the end of the day, they are all worldly systems. Um, They're all buying and selling based. They're all limited resource based. Um, And so they're all, they all, I would lump all of those in the man category. Um, They're just different ways of approaching the the limitations of of resources. So it's, it's a different way of approaching things. The, you know, I, I, when you talk about socialism versus capitalism, you know, I'm, I'm a, a big time individual liberty guy. Um, I'm not a big, big government guy. I like small government. Um, I believe that if the government leaves people alone, that's the best opportunity for the, the gospel of Jesus Christ to get out there because I believe that if we share, you know, when you put it on the, 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 the stage of ideas and, and the, you know, you compare it against other ideas, it'll win because it's the truth. Um, That's that was my experience. I I looked at a lot of different things and and because I was looking for the truth I ended up at Jesus because that's where you will end up if you sincerely are looking for truth So and and keep in mind. I live in Scotland. Scotland is a very socialistic country Um, For those people in America who don't understand they think of the UK the United Kingdom as as a a country That's not quite true. United Kingdom is, is a collection of countries you have Scotland, Ireland, or Northern Ireland, England, Wales, and of those you know, United Kingdom countries, they're all actually separate countries that, that have some common government and a common monarch in the Queen. Um, but Scotland is its own legal jurisdiction for a whole lot of things like charity oversight and things like that, and it's by far the most socialistic of all of the United Kingdom. Um, and by that, I mean, the, the government is really kind of sticking their tentacles into every facet of life here. And I see what it's doing to the people, mm. even believers. It's, it's a tough environment to live and thrive in because the government wants to be seen basically as God. They don't talk in those terms, but they, they want to be the source for everyone's ability to live, their provision, um, their permission, their permission. And they were trying to replace God. One of the functions I think that we have to do here as, as believers is help get people's eyes off of the government as their source and on the God as their source. Yeah. Um, because socialism tries to push the family out, tries to push religion out, especially the Christians, so that it can control um, the conversations that happen.
0: Yeah. That that's good. I remember 95, 96, I, Went into Romania, doing some business there. It was just a few years after, I guess, the fall of communism, which obviously communism, socialism, different, but in the same category. It basically is a collectivism where. Authoritarian yeah, system. Yeah, a yeah. large central government that that takes care of everything, which we we're seeing that in countries that are, quote unquote, free now is larger central governments that's taking care of things. And the the best way I could describe it, the area, the, the whole place was just gray. I was doing some seminars and speaking in front of groups of up to 200, 300 people. And I just looked out and I saw hollow eye sockets. And the best way I described it when I came back was they had very little hope. If, if any hope. Yeah, that's at all.
1: the way it's exactly how I'd say it. And, and Scotland isn't there. Um, but we constantly uh, with our American mind, I mean, we, they, we kind of let them attribute it to our American mindset. Really it's a kingdom of God mindset. Um, that, you know, because a lot of the stuff that I go through and rejecting them and I, the, what kind of drove us to me to writing that book was when Lisa and I went to become missionaries, we, we were responsible for raising our own support to get over here, um, which meant we had to have a, a significant pile of cash to make the move. And then we had to have ongoing living expenses. And we didn't know how to do that. Um, I'd been a business person. I'd, I'd had a web development company. I knew how to do that. I knew how to work hard and get paid well. Um, what I didn't know was how to receive from God. I understood that Jesus, you know, part of the atonement, part of what Jesus accomplished for me on the cross was that I would be prosperous. So I knew that I was prosperous in Christ, but I didn't know how to prosper. Hmm. Lisa and I had been very generous with our giving and we were told that if you sow, you'll reap, you know, that the the law of sowing and reaping. But we were really generous and really good at giving, but we never harvested much. We never reaped what we sowed. So At one point, God said, Chris, I want you to stop working for your money and start believing for it. And I'm like, what? No. I mean, I actually argued with God. I literally argued with God. And I I figured, you know what? If you're going to argue with God, you should take him back to the Bible. So I went right to his word. and I said, God, see what you wrote. You you wrote these words. You you had Paul write these words. If a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. And God very patiently said, I never said you weren't going to work. I said, I want you to stop working for your money. And I was like. Oh, and you want me to disconnect the results from my effort. Hmm. And so for us, you know, I mean, because I remember we, you, you had mentioned this in your notes that we had a conversation and I remember that vividly, that conversation we had at Karis, because we weren't in the same class, but I think I was teaching social media or something in the business school. And um, you came up to me after class and we were talking about a, a minister that had a very successful business and therefore he didn't didn't receive a salary from his church and you said that's a really good model and i said i agree with you and i thought that's where we were supposed to go but in my case because i was always really good at working hard i would never be able to let go of the credit for that and really god wanted to teach me i think how his kingdom operated so i needed to to just set that aside and go you know full-time ministry which i hate that term but, you know, I had to not have a day job, so to speak. And I had to learn how to believe God and and how to rely on his promises that the, they're in the Bible. They're there for us to receive. I had to learn how to operate in line with God's ways because God's ways are higher than our ways. Yeah. And you know what? It wasn't just me. Lisa and I did this together. I mean, it was very much a, both of us. And as we learned it, we we took what we were learning and we tried it. Trial and error. Some things worked, Some things didn't um but we learned and we applied what we learned we saw results and then we saw consistent results mm. and then i you know as we got over here we started the bible college i i got approval to put this together as a course i taught it to our students they saw results it's not an american thing scottish people were seeing the same results and actually we got a lot of english people in our school too um and and they were seeing results the ones that chose to apply it not everybody did that's okay But the ones that did saw results as well. And so did that, taught that a couple of years. And then God told me, Chris, it's time to write the book. So I did. Um, And I'm just passionate about it because money really messes with everybody. Um, I I know you've shared, you know, I I listened to a couple of your other podcasts where you share about some of your your history where you were full on money and then you, you lost it all living out of a van. That's a tough place to be. Um, and, and the man and system will do that to you because even when you've got a lot, there's always that fear that you might lose what you have. So you can never really be content. Mm. But when we're operating in the kingdom of God, Paul says he learned to be how content mm. in all situations, whether he had a lot or he had almost nothing because he knows that God's his source, God's his provider, not his own effort. Mm. Yeah. I'm still working hard,
0: but my hard effort is not what produces right. the results. God produces the results. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so here's the deal. Uh, going back to the theme, you mentioned God is your source, and part of what you had to do was recognize. Again, I'm going to use this word control, is that you're not in control of it. It's kind of very similar for me. Um, you know, I just had to recognize. You know, I used to think that if it was to be it's up to me. I can make money. I was pretty good at it. I can make a lot of it. I could also lose a lot of it too, by the way. I could I could do both. And and so that control issue was very important. And in the pride, you know, it's interesting you brought up that you needed to have provision. That's a word I use a lot, provision, because it helps me be the opposite of me doing it. It's something provided. And gives provision because, you know, there may be a time in this world, you know, dollars have not always been the trade that, that's that been the way that we buy and sell. But um, Christians struggle with this, money and things like that. Just before we move to the next topic, can you, I think it's part of what you just said, but anything real quick, I mean, they, they you and I saw it so much. There were so many people in the environment we're in in bible school
1: well the 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 challenge is you you get kind of two extremes you get the people that you know the the christians that want nothing to do with money money's evil and then you get the, the christians that are all about money and and let's you know god wants us to be rich well god jesus died for our 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 prosperity i believe that but it's not about being rich it's about a expanding the kingdom of God. It's about being on mission with God. It's about having an assignment and operating in that assignment and and being provided for by God. And, And really, Jesus knew this. I mean, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He knew our heart is directly connected to our wallet. And I find it interesting. He doesn't say, where your heart is, your treasure will be also, that you give to what you're passionate about. He says, what you give to, you become passionate about. And so when we start operating in the kingdom of God, because it works on giving and receiving, Lisa and I literally gave our way to Scotland. Mm -hmm. We gave as, as a charity, as a nonprofit, we gave to other charities and nonprofits in line with God's way of doing things that he laid out in Scripture so that we were exercising faith. It was all anchored in Scripture. It wasn't stuff we made up or we just, you know, heard on a whim. We took it back to Scripture and we operated in those ways, exercising our faith, believing God's promises. And we saw his results. Yeah. That- and, and so it was giving and receiving. And, and what we did was, you know, the subtitle for that is how to see results from your giving. Because I think a lot of Christians are giving and they just, well, God's going to bless me. It'll come back to me. Well, how about, what if you could correlate? I gave this much and then this happened. And you could connect the two events. Lisa and I have story after story after story where we gave and saw results. And it's not because we're super spiritual or super, it's not us. It's, it's that all we did was line up with God's promises. He provided it. He gets the glory. We just get blessed. And by the way,
0: because we're doing it bec- from a giving perspective, we're blessing other people in the process. Which is really what it's all about. To me, it's interesting. I always say that giving is really the currency in the kingdom, it's just, and it just keeps things cycling and, and going. Where, we're really in the other system, Mammon. We're hoarders. We take, we don't give, we don't let it go, and and things like that. So, all right. So that's good. I'm about to shift gears. So here's the big, the big question that was going to kind of start yes. this next line. We're going to and uh it's it's loaded in so many areas so yeah take you a sip of water there get ready because here it comes (laughs) chris is god in control
1: no um is god capable of being in control absolutely is he all powerful all-knowing absolutely he is the preeminent force in the universe however God sovereignly chose to limit his authority here on earth when he put mankind in. If you go all the way back to Genesis, he put Adam and Eve in the garden and he told them, um, he gave them a commission and and basically said, you have dominion over this. Everything that I'm putting here, I've created this wonderful place. I'm giving it to you. You're in charge. And Adam didn't handle it well. And in fact, what he did was he abdicated his responsibility to Satan. And the Bible says that Satan became the God of this world. You know, Satan became the ultimate authority on earth. I mean, you track that all the way through to the the end uh, where, where Jesus comes on the scene. And Satan tells Jesus the last temptation. He says, all of these kingdoms have been given to me and I can give them to whom I will. He was the authority at that time. And it wasn't until Jesus went to the cross, defeated Satan, was resurrected from the dead, that Jesus took that authority back. And then before Jesus ascended, he delegated it to us. He says in, in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me. Now go and make disciples. Right. I think it's interesting because when you tell your story, Tim, about you know how you this podcast came to be, you talk about the Great Commission, but you quoted out of Mark, where where Jesus tells us to go and preach the gospel to all every creature. When I think of the Great Commission, I look at the other one in Matthew. You know, in Mark it's an individual thing: go and preach to every individual. But in in Matthew, Jesus says, "Go and make disciples of all nations." It's it's a corporate big thing. So I mean, and not that not that. You know, saving souls and all that is—that's—that's a—that's a big thing. Don't get me wrong. It's just we're looking at the same thing two different ways, and I think that's interesting. That God's kingdom is big enough that both of those, you know, completely different perspectives, yeah. are are welcome
0: and encouraged and needed. And sometimes what we look for, I think, our—I'll use a, 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 maybe a negative—our puny human minds look for either. A or B. And I was having communication with God once and I said, hey, Lord, should I? Is it this or this? He said, you know, sometimes the answer is and. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not either or. It's all both. And, and it's bigger picture. And, and listen, we I mean, we see it in the discourse we see on social media and the news. So many people are looking for absolute yes or no, this or that, And that kind of leads to my next, I guess, question I wanted to ask you in, in church world or not church world, why do we hear the statement so much, God is in control or either a blaming of God or giving God maybe even credit for things? I mean, you know, we may go both ways on this. The, the, The
1: God is in control theology goes at least as far back as the 1500s to a guy named John Calvin. You know you hear a calvinist and all that and and i i I just need to preface this with i believe this i mean i the church that i I came to to know jesus in you know those that's that's what i was taught and believed it for 15 years or or more um and it, it wasn't until i studied it out myself that i learned that that wasn't true um i had to dig into what the bible says and 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 to be fair if you go back to what they're talking about um they, they look at particular passages in the Bible, particularly Romans chapter nine, um, and some other passages where Paul uses the word predestined. But Romans chapter nine, you know, Paul talks about, he's talking about the history of Israel, and he talks about how God loved Jacob and hated his Esau. He talks about how God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he talks about how the clay can't tell the potter what to make of it. Mm-hmm. And when you combine that chapter, with these other passages where Paul uses the word predestined, if you only look at those verses, it's a pretty compelling case that God's in control. Mm-hmm. Where it falls apart is when you look deeper into the scriptures and what is Paul saying there, and what goes into that. Yeah. You know, you go back to Genesis with with um, you know the story of Jacob and Esau, and you see that Jacob really valued the things of God. Um, And so much so that he schemed to get Esau's blessing and Esau's birthright. Esau was the firstborn. They were twins, but Esau came out first. He was firstborn. He was in the natural entitled to the blessings of God, but he despised them. The Bible says that he despised his birthright. He actually gave Jacob his birthright because he wanted a quick meal. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, when you look at what happened in the Bible, it's like, really? He would do that? But yeah, you can see that. Well, some of that
0: is also our paradigms. If, if we are looking at the Bible and reading it with the paradigm of God is in control, then it impacts, it impacts what we see and what we read. And listen, Chris, it sounds really good when you're in church circles and all, doesn't it sound good? It does. And a lot of people have this understanding that That is one
1: of the core requirements for God to be God, that he's in control of everything. It seems reasonable. It seems very reasonable. Like I said, I believed it for a long time until I studied it out. Um, and And we got entire denominations. We got a large chunk. I would say this is probably the dominant viewpoint of Christians today is that God is in control. I mean, when I was brand new Christian, there was this popular song all about. God is in control. And I sang that with gusto because that's what I thought. I thought that was honoring him. But the reality is he has chosen not to be in control. He he delegated his authority. And because he delegated his authority, the Bible says God can't go back on his word. He gave his word that Adam was in charge, that mankind was in charge. Now, he didn't condition that on unless you screw it up. He just... You know, you know, unilaterally gave, gave Adam authority over the earth well Adam did screw it up and now Satan had it and the the, the amazing thing of God is that he didn't come in and control that and, and yank it back mm-hmm. he came up with another way to regain control over the earth as far as, as that authority aspect to put it back in the rightful hands right
0: and that was through Jesus. Yeah.
1: And Jesus delegated it to his church. So
0: one of the comments in the book, you say, you mentioned that Christians are being frozen and people that are not followers, you know, some people that are not followers of Christ can actually achieve more. And some followers not of can, Christ can,
1: typically do. They do.
0: Typically do. So what's going on there? <laughs> well, I think part of it
1: is, you know, think about if you, if you believe that God is in control, then... What does it matter what you do? I mean, from a logical perspective, it gives me an God's excuse. Control.
0: It gives me an excuse, truthfully. I mean, I could, like, you know what? I'm a, I, I'm a jerk. Hand, I'm a jerk. I, I was made that way. So, yeah. And if
1: God, if God, if since God's in control, He must have allowed it and He made me this way and I don't have to, I don't have to change. Right. And, and I can be nasty to other people or whatever. And we see a lot of Christians who are behaving that way. All right. That's one thing. Another thing, if God's in control, there's a lot of bad stuff that happens on this earth. And if God's in control, then he's ultimately responsible for all that bad stuff. I mean, whether it's um, hurricanes or tsunamis or or wars or, you know, the coronavirus, which is in the news right now, you know, whatever it is, God's in control. He's responsible for all that death and destruction. Well, if that's the God that you believe is out there, I mean, one of the things that that people who have this theology, they think that God puts bad things on us to teach us you know, or to get glory, you know, God gave me this cancer. So he'd be glorified when I got through it. Well, that's twisted. You know, if you think that someone is going to hurt you at any moment because it's for your good, you're not going to be able to have any intimacy
0: with them. Not really. Cause you're going to be guarded, protecting yourself. How does it relate? I think you mentioned something in the book about this to, to your drinking situation. Um, it can impact that, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Because I had a part to play in that. God took the desire away, but I had a responsibility to not keep it in my life. Like I had a responsibility to move to a place that wasn't across the street from the liquor store. I had a responsibility to get the alcohol out of my house, you know, because I didn't have the strength of, of character and the renewing of my mind to a different thought pattern. I still wanted to gravitate towards alcohol with the the, the habit the, the drive, I, I could control the habit, but you know what? It was wisdom to put some barriers in place to help keep me from just falling back on that old habit. Um, so, by doing that, I had a responsibility. I had the choice ultimately to choose not to drink. Right. I, what I didn't have before Jesus was the ability to make
0: that so, choice. So, God didn't create you. To have desires for drinking he didn't create you he didn't create you as a drunk that's not the type of control he's in that can create confusion i don't for people I, too. I, I
1: don't see that in scripture that god creates people um to to live in sin uh or what, whatever that sin is in my case i was a drunk and, and there's not we we have a tendency to want to make degrees of sin you know murder is the worst and rape is bad and they're all evil in god's eyes i'm what i was doing was just as bad as as the worst murderer mm-hmm. But the good news is God can use any of us if we are willing to seek after him. Yeah. I mean, you look through the Bible at some of the the, the the big name characters that did amazing things for the kingdom of God and for God's people. Every one of them was messed up. I mean, David was a murderer and a rapist. Yeah. Yet he was a man after God's own heart. Yeah.
0: How does that work? Yeah. Speaking you of... Know, because God is so gracious. Speaking of David... I, uh, the, my process, I think I I think I shared with you, I got your book a, a week or two back, did a quick read, did some highlighting in it, and then I sat down and kind of made some notes for, you know, I do that with anyone who has a book for the podcast, and, and of course I really, I, I dig it when they've got a spiritual aspect to it, even business, but definitely spiritual. So I also listen to a, a Bible app that I just sometimes listen and meditate on scripture, and uh, the other morning I woke up real early and it was it was scriptures to kind of soothe you or try to go back to sleep or something like that which is cool nice calm voice and all that and this this kept repeating the 23rd psalm and and I want to keep in mind that I had this topic in my mind because I'd been prepping for it so it was you know it was kind of rolling around in my soul my mind my spirit and so I kept hearing this and This is probably something I didn't mention to you in advance. So 23rd Psalm, David, that you just mentioned, was one of the most screwed up, but then also one of the most revered. I mean, he's in the top, whatever. Um, and, And he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There's a few other things there. But then a couple of times he says, he leadeth me. And as I was just meditating that, and I was kind of in a half stupor, almost asleep, awake, I kept saying to myself, it doesn't say the Lord is my dictator. <laughs> he forceth me.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Now is that, that's making, that's making our point, right? I, I think so. I mean, you can, if, and again, the, the,
1: the scriptural basis for this belief is, is really those, those few passages, but then you start, if you, if you take that on, that God is in control, you can read through the whole Bible and, and reinterpret it in a whole different way. Um, And, and then it's like, he leads me, he makes me go, you know, but you and I see he leads me. I have a role to play in going. He's not a dictator. He's not a, you know, he hasn't programmed me. And I don't, it's not like I have a choice. The other thing I go back, well, I, to answer the finish up, answering your question about the, the freeze, you know, this theology, I think creates three main responses to in people, you know, in my case, I froze. And part of that was, I was taught that, it was really bad to be outside the will of God. Um, if I was outside the will of God, bad things would happen, very bad things. And I didn't want that. And so I had this kind of slave mentality that, you know, it's better that I do nothing than I do the wrong thing. Yeah. And so I went from being able to accomplish whatever I put my mind to before I was a believer to this kind of passive god's in control i don't want to be out of his will i'm just going to truck along and hope it's okay and that's a that's a sad thing but so so people freeze like i do that's one one option Uh, another option is they they get really belligerent um because
0: when when you start wait 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 so you're saying some christian people can get really belligerent argumentative i know it's crazy i can't believe that yes
1: i i was kind of one of them um (laughs) Because what happens is when you can, when you bump up against their theology, they have to be right because that's the only thing that's keeping them together. If, if they're wrong on this one issue or they, then, then everything falls apart for them. And so they, they come at it and they want to argue. I mean, kind of nasty sometimes and we see it all over Facebook. Um, There's a lot of the Christian nastiness out there. And some of it is because, these people believe that God is in control, and therefore, anything that comes bumps up against that, they gotta lash out to protect that thing that they're holding on to. So that's two of the responses. The other response, I think, is the saddest. You know, in addition to to freezing up or or fighting with everyone who comes against them, you know, or, or bumps into their theology, the third one I think is the most sad. Those are the people that um, they look at this god who's they're told is in control of everything they look at the fact that the bible says he's a god of love and they see all the bad stuff happening in the world and they can't they, they can't cope with that disconnect that that a loving god would create all this pain and suffering in the world and they just they just walk away from the whole thing they want nothing more to do with jesus because they're like i don't want anything to do with a god like that i get where they're coming from the challenge is they haven't been shown who god truly is yeah they've walked away from who they think God is, but that's not who he really is. That's not his character. Right. And, and that's what's to me is, is heartbreaking.
0: Yeah. It's hard to, I mean, I, I mean, in part of it we see in, I, I kind of use this term, I hope it's not negative, but hyper spiritual environments, you know, Bible school was a little like that. There are a lot of people that come from all over the world and they are waiting on God. They think God might be there, you know? (laughs) And so, so we, we do see that a lot. So that's, that's a good point. I, I want to throw one more thing into the mix here, and we're, I'm watching our time because we are pressing against, but there's so many other things I wanted us to cover. <laughs> there's something that's thrown around quite a bit that I think relates to this. If it doesn't, let me know. But a lot of people talk about not only God is in control, we hear that a lot, but God's timing is perfect. God's timing. God's timing. And I don't think I prepped you for this. So this is probably a little bit of a little bit different, but, but what's, what's up with God's timing and God's timing is perfect. I think sometimes we use that phrase in a similar way, but correct me if I'm wrong or just give me your thoughts on that.
1: Well, I I think that's one, you know, kind of like, excuse me, we we talk about the sovereignty of God, you know, the, the whole, and, and. You know, some people interpret that phrase, sovereignty of God, to mean God is in control. The Bible is clear that God is sovereign, like I said at the very beginning, that he is um, the, the ultimate power, the ultimate, uh, he's all-knowing, he is the ultimate authority in the universe, it's just he's delegated his authority to through Jesus to his church. Um, so sovereignty of God, you can talk about that in a way that that is true when you talk about God being that, that supreme being, but if you say he's all, po- all or he's in control, then you're you're missing it. So sovereignty of God kind of has some truth to it, and then it can get twisted. God's timing, I think, falls in that same category. Um, people can use that as an excuse not to move forward, or they can use it as an excuse to you know move forward way too quickly. And really, the only way you know if if it's God's timing is if it works out in the end. Really, is the way they, that that theology works. At the same time, I will tell you this: that God does have timing four things. There's a, there's a seat time for everything under the sun. And, and, and I mean, for example, <coughs> excuse me, Lisa and I were trying to get over to Scotland years before we actually arrived here. Um, you know, cause we finished Bible school and it was, it was years before we actually were able to make that transition to Scotland. In hindsight, it was perfect timing when we arrived. Um, and if we had come when Chris wanted to go, we would have messed it up and probably gone back home pretty quickly with a tail between our legs because we would have missed God's timing. So I believe that God does have timing. And I think there's scriptural evidence for that as well. Um, where it goes sideways is when it becomes an excuse for passivity and and not moving forward with anything ever because you're waiting on the Lord. Um, again, that phrase waiting on the Lord is scriptural, but it isn't an excuse for passivity. Um, and, and again, that all goes back to the God is in control thing. If, if God is, is God is a, a partner with you. If he's inviting you to, to join in in what he's got planned and his purposes, that's very different from him dictating you or moving you like a robot to do X, Y, Z.
0: Yeah, that's good. You know, one of the things that I've had to do with my personality because I'm one that would get way ahead. I would roll out of bed, come up with a business idea and start doing things. And so and so, one of the things that I've learned is that I need to seek the Lord's assignment for me. And then the Lord has kind of told me, this is his instruction to me, not everyone, because some people need to just get going. But for me, I need to pause and just make sure we're on the same page and we're together. And then and then he'll use my energy and all to go. So, yeah, no,
1: I'm tracking with you because I'm
0: I'm kind of visionary, too. So yeah. I'm like, follow me, God. And that
1: doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what I've learned is, is that I mean, I, I could hear, you know, I typically heard very clearly on what and, and how. And, but I was really off on when. Yeah. And I always assumed that when was right now. And sometimes when isn't for years. Yes. Sometimes it's 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 now. Sure. So it, we have to learn how to hear that. And sometimes and sometimes
0: it's perfect. never. And also, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with some rapid fire responses, which may be tough for you because you actually are really good at giving some detail. Because what I want to do is I want to kind of make it practical for some things we see in today's world. I I gave you a little prep on this, so hopefully, but I'm gonna hit you with some things that we all are, are interacting with in our world and maybe just a real quick sentence or two on how sovereignty of God plays into it, positive or negative, either one, whichever way you want to go in today's world. All right. The, the political arena, so, God's in control. What, what happens there? If When, when people look at the political
1: arena and say that God's in control, again, it goes back to that passivity. Well, I don't need to vote. You absolutely need to vote. You have a responsibility in a country that will allow you that privilege of voting, because there's a lot of countries out there that that isn't available, that you have a responsibility. And if you look at it from a a truly biblical perspective, you have a responsibility to be an influence. And one of the ways we we can be influential for the kingdom of God is by voting and, and engaging in the political process. But if you think God's in control, you're going
0: to sit back and and be passive. Right. Or after something happens, you go, well, God's in control. So, all right. Second relationships, specifically, maybe spouse. You know, if you kind of have this God's in control sovereignty, what what are some issues, challenges that can come up?
1: It can be a really convenient excuse for really horrible behavior. Mm. Um, You know, if I'm treating my wife nasty, you know, and, and, I, I, I'm capable, I'm human, and, and I can be, I, I'm really good with words, so I can get her all twisted around and confused and backed into a corner. And all I'm doing is manipulating her. And then if I looked at him and said, well, God's in control,
0: you know, he would have made me different. It's an excuse not to change. Good. Good, good, good. All right. How about um, money and business, maybe doing business and a God's in control or type mindset?
1: Then. When if you if you come out in business from that that God's in control mindset, you're, you're very tempted to just be at the whims of the economy. You know what? If there's a, if there's an economic bust, then well, oh, God's in control. I went. He knew it was coming. He's going to get glorified. Rather than let's see what God's got for me to weather this storm, so I can come out the other side um, stronger
0: in my business and more influential for the Kingdom of God. Okay, so here's a good one. How about the weather? climate the weather okay
1: this is gonna sound cuckoo Luna nuts we moved to Scotland and Scotland is notorious for raining all the time and I believe the Bible is pretty clear that that we have the ability to influence our environment with our words Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that there's a biblical case for that I've seen it happen when we first moved here the first year we were here Lisa was a little concerned because we moved here in November, and of course, we're way far north, so the days are really short, and there's not a lot of daylight, and so she was concerned about that, she was concerned about it raining all the time, so Lisa went around for the first, I don't know, eight months singing this song, blue skies, nothing but blue skies, all day long, it didn't bother me because we were seeing a lot of blue skies, it got to the point where The local farmers were starting to complain in the local media that it was so dry that they were having issues. And Lisa's like, I better stop singing. And she stopped singing. And they had like this big, you know, rain thing come through for weeks. So, again, some people might chalk that up to coincidence.
0: I think she had some influence in that, Okay. my opinion. All right, cool. So uh, another one is let's use the old Acts of God, Disasters you know, God brought this on type situation, respond to that. Cause we hear that unfortunately quite a bit. All right. For, for
1: Christians. Okay. The, I, I got to go back to the Bible because I, you know, I'm teaching a Bible college and really that's a source that, that is our truth. You know, how, Christ is the source of our truth. Jesus is the source of our truth and as depicted in the Bible. So that's, that's our gold standard, if you will. That's our plumb line. The Bible says in in John 10, 10, that the thief comes not only to steal, kill, and destroy. Then Jesus follows that up with, but I have come, talking about himself, that you may have life and have it more abundantly. To me, that is a very simple litmus test of is something from God or is it not? Mm -hmm. And natural disasters, they're not adding life. They're stealing, killing, and destroying. Um, And therefore, that's not an act of God. It's a natural disaster. And the Bible says that, that the earth is, is groaning under the weight of mankind's sin. Right. So our, what we do, our behavior actually affects the planet around us. And I'm not saying that it's a result of, of an individual or specific sin. I'm talking about sin in a general sense mm-hmm. that ever since the time of, of at least Noah, there's been natural disasters. And that's a function of a fallen world. That's not God putting the whammy on a locality.
0: Okay. All right. Two more real quick. This is kind of a biggie. Sickness. Sovereignty of God. That's one
1: really twists people up because I know a lot of people who totally believe that God's in control. And and my thinking is okay, if God's in control and God put this sickness on you, why are you going to the doctor? Why are you taking medicine? Why argue with God? Yeah, aren't you fighting God by trying to get better? But yet they're going to try to get better. Their theology doesn't hold up because God didn't put the sickness on us. I mean, you can go through the Gospels, and I challenge anybody to find one instance in the Gospels where Jesus put sickness on somebody. It doesn't exist. But there's lots of times where it says that Jesus healed everybody present. He made them all better. Hmm. God's glorified when we're healed of sickness. He's not glorified when we become sick. And that doesn't mean that God puts sickness on us so that He can get glorified taking it away, because that's just twisted. Yeah, that's
0: not God. Yeah, this one's a little bit different, maybe a little bit of a ballpark, but I just wrote religion uh, here. So, how does it play in? I'm I'm not a fan. I don't think you are of religion per se. Relationship is more well, so.
1: I look at I look at it. That's a tough one because most people would look at me and say, I'm religious in the general sense, because here I am, I've sold, we sold all our personal belongings. We moved over the ocean. We're doing something to help others experience more with God. That's kind of religious. Now I know what you're saying, Tim, you're not a fan of structured religion where you do certain things to be right with God. Um, And in that sense of the term religion, if God's in control then hey I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing again it goes back to that slave mentality of doing nothing is better than doing the wrong thing well I've got this leader that told me you know this priest or whatever told me to do these steps and I'll be okay so therefore I'm doing that I'm doing my part and God's in control of the rest
0: yeah I like that that was that was kind of a fun little rapid fire there I think that I think that's going to turn out well so one more question. I don't. Maybe it's a big one. Maybe not. Kind of wrapping up here. So, what's our purpose? What what is our role? Our role as believers. Our role as
1: people. Our role as Tim and Chris. Well, I don't know which. Which are you asking? Yeah. yeah any in, role any that? of that?
0: Where Where do we fit in, Chris? If God is not in control, then how do we? fit in this? And, and you know what, let's just, let's just speak to people that may have listened in that they, this may not make any sense to them or some folks that have steeped in church culture. What's, what's our role?
1: Well, really what it comes down to is, is if you you either you believe God exists or you you don't, either you think he's there or he's not. And um, if he exists then there's a lot of different models of what he might look like or who he might be i've chosen to to rely on the bible as my standard because that is a standard that's been around for thousands of years it hasn't changed um and we you know it i I think it's a good standard it's it's held up over time and when we look at the bible and what our, our role is god created mankind because he wanted um really he wanted children it's i know it sounds weird but if you read through the new testament the bible says that we are adopted into the family of god through jesus and therefore our father becomes god himself Mm. and not only that but we're also heirs to the kingdom of christ the bible says that we're co-heirs with jesus and that means that not only are we part of God's family? But we're entitled to his inheritance because of what Jesus did on our behalf. And we accept all of that by faith. And therefore, we're in the family business, so to speak. You know, and, and the, the the son knows what the father's doing, and we're all sons of God, so hmm. sons and daughters of God, every one of us. So we have direct access to the Father to hear what he's doing. And he invites all of us one to be adopted into his family two to join him in what he's doing on the earth that's exciting i, I i've i've flown off aircraft carriers i've driven ocean going cargo ships I've, I've ridden out hurricanes i've done all kinds of crazy stuff nothing is as exciting as being on an assignment that God himself invited you to partner with him Mm. and be a part of. That's good. And see lives change. See people who are just beat down and oppressed, just come alive and blossom and thrive. That's good. And he gives, he invites all of us into that to partner with him and join Really what we're doing is we're joining him in his business.
0: Yeah. I like, uh, I'm going to grab that word thrive and kind of use that as of our wrap-up thing here. i think i think our role is to thrive and when we are sons and daughters and understand what we are then we can thrive chris tell us tell us real quick about your ministry and how people can get in touch with you we'll include it in the show notes but but uh, you're okay with people reaching out to you aren't you
1: oh absolutely yeah um
0: Lisa and I head up
1: a, a, a 501c3 called New Creations Ministries. And, of course, my last name is Cree. So it's New Cree, C-R-E-E-A-T-I-O-N-S. We're New Creations. We, and and you know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 is, is our kind of our, our, our formal, you know, our big verse that we're a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. Everything's made new. Um, and we're at newcreations.org, N-E-W-C-R-E-E-A-T-I-O-N-S.org. Um, that's really the best place to get a hold of us. You can use our contact form. We've got the books available for you on the website. Um, they're also available on Amazon and, and all kinds of other places. Um, if you've got a preferred way you want to look at the books. Yeah. Really, my desire is to help people experience more with the kingdom of God, to, to, to thrive, like you said. Um, the kingdom of God is very practical. Yeah. It's not some airy fairy out there um, that will help us in the great by and by it'll do that but it's really practical for here today so newcreations.org is the best way to get a hold of us really
0: when i'm on facebook and everywhere else good too. we'll include that in the show notes what's what's next for chris just general big thing small thing what's next
1: well it's getting on past dinner time so i'm probably going to go eat next but um we we actually just renewed our visas so we're here for another three years in scotland at least Um, we're hoping that, you know, in the two year mark from here, we can apply for indefinitely to remain, which is their version of a green card. Then we can stay as long as we want to. Um, we're, you know, growing the Bible college. God is doing some amazing things through the the school here in Scotland. Um, we're looking to reach out to other churches and and work with them. As a matter of fact, we've got a partnership with a church in Scotland. We've got a partnership with another church up in the Highlands, um, obviously we've got a, a close relationship with some churches here in town. So we're about making influencing people for the kingdom of God. I'm sure there'll be more books. God's given me about four more ideas in my head. If I had more time, I would be doing more social media, I would be speaking more. But the Bible college is our primary focus for yeah. the next
0: season. Yeah, very good. The title of the podcast is Seek, Go Create. Those three words. We've talked about those in the past on, on this podcast, but one of those words, if I were to tell you one word, you could choose one, which jumps out at you and why just real quick as we wrap up. Oh, I can't choose one. You even gave me a heads up and I like them
1: all, you know, and, and for a lot of the same reasons you do. I mean, seek for me, it was about seeking the truth. I, I If I didn't do that, and you know, like you said, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. For me, seeking is where it starts. I mean, obviously go. I'm a missionary. I, I took that literally and I, I goed. I, I went overseas, I, I left and, and, and we're going and we're doing the create, I think is so powerful. I think that is where we could f- you know, do so much even more as, a, as believers, as people to, to, to make our world a better place um, and, and really just help people thrive. Mm-hmm. And, and there's all these creative ideas that are just, just stored up waiting to be released and we need to, to go create. So for me, it's all of them.
0: Wow. I I couldn't pick one. That's a good, that's a good commercial. We might use, we might use that clip for a commercial for our podcast. (laughs) Chris, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know we've got time zone issues and things like that. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you for that. Oh man,
1: it's been a, it's been a pleasure. I, I, you know, the, you, I don't know if you remember that that commercial that used to be on TV for the the life alert, the panic button where the, the, for the elderly people. And the, the, the tagline was, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. I, I need one. You know, it's talk alert. Help, I'm talking and I can't shut up. you know.
0: So. <laughs> Podcast interview is perfect for it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it very much. For those listening in, I hope that you've enjoyed this as much as I have. You can tell I... I I dig this conversation and I dig kind of mixing it up with someone like Chris with his his knowledge and wisdom. I do have a big favor to ask of all you that are listening. Please subscribe if you're not already subscribed. That will connect you with us so that you do not miss any of the episodes. We usually release a new episode every Monday, but have been known to add a bonus episode on Thursdays every so often. Also, if you had enjoyed this podcast, and I know that you have, it would be great if you would rate or review us depending on which podcast platform you listen on. And then here is my big request. Please share this episode so that others can enjoy what we're sharing. Numbers now say there are over 700,000 podcasts available. Most people say they listen to podcasts that are recommended from friends or connections. Uh, so really just take this episode, share it with a few friends, send it to your contacts via email, put the link on social media channels, share it with at least one person or with everyone, you know, It would be so helpful to us. We appreciate, we appreciate you doing that. We appreciate you listening. Thank you again for listening. We look forward to connecting you again on the Seek Go Create podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Seek Go Create podcast, a part of the SGC network. For those looking for excellence, moving towards success, and creating something new, we are constantly discussing bold new topics and ideas here on the network, so be sure to subscribe to be notified when we post new episodes. We look forward to sharing more with you next time, but until then, enjoy the journey.